Hello and welcome to another episode of Archive Panic. I'm your host Ben Nevin. Jacob Russo. And today we're going to be continuing our John Carpenter Marathon with the most recent and the long list of movies that we're going through. Mm -hmm. The TV film Someone's Watching Me. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea what this film was about, although the title makes that pretty fucking evident uh, for the get-go. Yeah, uh, well, to be upfront, first of all, uh, we made a mistake in our Halloween episode. We did, yes. Uh, this movie technically, well, I say technically, this movie did come before Halloween, uh, so we we goofed, but, you know, we're just, as the description says... It came just, out the same damn year, like, come on, like, what, it's... But you made this before Halloween. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> and it was released before Halloween as well. No. But, but you know, uh, but as we said in our intros, we're just two schlubby guys, so what do you expect? Exactly. We've <laughs> read the descriptions, we've seen that. We're just a couple of Scottish schlubs who like watching movies. Yeah. Uh, and that's about, that's the long and short of it. And that sentence ends there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like you said, um, you know, I hadn't heard of much of this movie. Uh, that may be because I'm fairly certain this wasn't available on uh, DVD or Blu-ray until about 2018. Yeah, I think it was... Uh, did Arrow Video pick it up or was it... It was one of them. It was either Arrow or... It was Arrow or like fucking... Oh, who's the other one? Not Criterion. Some begins with a C. No. Fuck. <laughs> it was it was one of them. But uh, yeah, uh, previously it was um, only available like on bootleg, like somebody's recorded it in the fucking seventies. Yeah, pretty so, much. You know, and uh, so this was actually uh, Carpenter's first union direction job. So yes, it, yeah, it was. It was uh, produced for, uh, I believe, it was broadcast on NBC, but it was produced by Warner Brothers. Uh, they hired Carpenter to. Uh, Write a script for them, originally called High Rise, uh, about uh, you know just a woman being stalked. And uh, after he handed in the script, they told him they the, contacted him again, said they wanted to make it a TV movie, and asked if he would direct, and he did. And uh, this film was shot in 18 days, fairly quick. <laughs> That's putting it lightly. That is lightning <laughs> fast. Uh, even though, well, obviously we're talking about a TV movie, so the production does take a hit from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the budget is much lower than anything we've seen before, with the exception of uh, Dark Star. I think that's yeah, probably I think the, the lowest budget. Yeah, movie. that's the lowest budget movie he's ever done in that. Yeah. Had no fucking budget, but <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah. for being a, a TV movie, it's pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, I have to admit, I was pleasant, pleasantly surprised at points. Uh, there are. A few moments throughout it, we'll get to shortly when the movie yeah. does tend to dry up, uh, particularly around about at the halfway point, when about the beginning of Act Two. Yeah, there's a few the... kind of dry moments, but besides that, this is a damn good film. I would definitely. This is another recommendation. Yeah, yeah. from myself, definitely check it out if you are a John Carpenter fan. Uh, I don't know if I would recommend it to any if you're average movie goer because it is very kind of yeah. As far as horror films go, it is quite meh. It's fairly middle of the road. Yeah, I'm pretty There's sure. I'm pretty sure I text you like I'm pretty sure I text you like half one last morning, half one in the morning. He's been like, "This film's fucking interesting. I like this." Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I'm not gonna lie, that frightened me because uh, the last time you said a film was interesting, uh, we ended up watching fucking Brain Damage, mm. and. Uh, <laughs> That was, um, hmm, we'll, we'll deal with Henning Lotter later, that's some, he's got some, he's got some weird shit, we're going to watch Frankenhooker. <laughs> oh. 
fuck, I just realised we need to watch Frank and Hogan at some point. Ah, you, do you realise I watched Brain Damage while, like... Uh, while under the influence of Brain Damage. Uh, but yes, that is... <laughs> so sorry. But, uh, yeah. No, but, but someone's watching me. I appreciated this movie quite a lot. I, uh, it's interesting to see, once, once you know, we figured out that it was shot before Halloween, it's kind of interesting because uh, you can see a lot of um, ideas that Carpenter had in this movie that he would go on to uh, perfect, I suppose, in Halloween. Uh, there's a few uh, first-person shots, point-of-view shots. A few, yeah, a few great POV shots. There's a uh, sort of toned-down version of... Uh, the infamous shot of Laurie walking away where the camera stops following her and just starts watching. Yes. Uh, there's a version of that that happens in this film uh, as well, which is, again, knowing now, knowing what we know now, that this, in fact, did predate Halloween, both in terms of when it was shot, when it was released, mm-hmm. and all that, uh, is very, very interesting. Yeah, like a lot of characters walking around in the background and you're like... And how we know it would have been Michael Myers like walking at the back of the shot, you know. But in this one, it's it's just random characters because part of the suspense of this is that you do not know who the uh, individual who is watching. We do not know the identity of our stalker mm-hmm. is kept secret for the entirety of the movie. <laughs> when it's revealed, and you could you potentially still... <laughs> argue. You could potentially argue that for the entirety of the movie, it's kept secret because even when it's revealed, I've got no fucking clue who this kind is. It's Dario Argento. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The guy looks a lot like Dario Argento. He does, so. yeah. I don't think it is him, though. No, it's not. It's, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I will admit that there was one bit that did make me shit myself uh, very early on, and and it was just what we were talking about there, you know, uh, a character appearing in the background. In this case, it was the stalker, but, you know. Oh, yeah, no, that was... That, that got me as well. <laughs> Because you texted me saying, this film's very interesting, it frightened the shite out of me about 20 minutes in, <laughs> and I was like, okay, if this if this frightens Jacob, then this is something to behold, and uh, I was expecting something, I was expecting a proper jump scare, so when it was just, like, literally, like, there's a shot where the killer just runs past in the background. Yeah, completely yeah, silent. Yeah, uh, I, I soiled myself uh, yeah. at that point. But anyway, let's get into the into the nitty gritty, shall we? So the film opens up with a very with a sort of homage to Hitchcock. I don't know whether it's an intentional homage, but it's definitely, oh, it definitely will a be. very uh, much a hit. This full film could almost be seen as a a sort of an adaptation of Rear View of Rear Ma- Rear Window. Rear Window, yeah. Rear Window. That's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that would be intentional because. John Carpenter's a massive Hitchcock fan. Yeah, what what horror director hasn't been somewhat influenced by Hitchcock? You know? Yeah, so. I mean the man is he's called the master of suspense for a reason. Mm. He's been all, almost all of his shots have been recreated in some way, shape, or form in another movie. Uh, most notably, Psycho, and that the entire fucking film was recreated. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking, uh, speaking of Hitchcock, I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine, and uh, she was saying. Oh, I haven't watched that many Hitchcock movies. I've only seen Cycle, but I want to see that one. I can't remember the name of it. The one about all the birds. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. So I'm just sitting there like, the, the, the birds. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's a good movie. But, yeah. That was the first Hitchcock film I watched. Uh, first... And uh, I live in a coastal town, so when the seagulls started attacking, I shit myself. Oh, because I don't trust those things anyway. I hate seagulls with a passion. They can all die. But, uh, <laughs> First Hitchcock movie I saw was Psycho, I think. Anyway, getting back onto it, we are 
introduced at the very start of the film we're introduced to a character who is going to die very quickly we'll say I believe their name was, was it Michelle or something like that do we even see her die? no no we're just, we hear about it later on yeah. that her character is quote unquote committed suicide but by the end of the film <laughs> we realise that chances are that is not the case mm-hmm. and then uh, and then we see his setup as well he's got his big He's got his big telescope, his big metal telescope that for... His telescope that I thought was a rangefinder at first. I thought this was going to... He was going to take it out with a sniper. See, I thought... Right, it I looks like a rangefinder. I thought it was a fucking sniper. I thought it was a gigantic sniper rifle. I was just looking at it like, what the fuck? Nah, I thought it was a rangefinder at first. Right because of the, when you see the POV shot, you can see like the like mm. the notches on it and like the numbers going up. I thought I was watching like a lost Dirty Harry movie for a second. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you see his setup. He's got his gigantic telescope. He's got his uh, um, recording, his, yeah, his tape recorder thing, listening into telephone calls, and uh, he does uh, a prototype scream phone call. And, uh, <laughs> he doesn't ask him where her favorite movie is, but you know, I would say this is less scream and more Black Christmas, and he's just tormenting her as opposed to I mean, but yeah. And then uh, fairly soon after that, we're introduced to our main character. Uh, Lee Michaels, who yeah. is quirky TM. Uh, <laughs> Do you have who she's played by? No, I don't. Oh, I think it's like Lauren, Lauren something. I know she was a model. Yeah, Lauren something. Hang on. I think it's Lauren. Uh, I don't want to say Lauren Hill because that's a fucking rapper. But Lauren Hutton. Lauren yeah. Hutton. There we go. And I, I've tried look. I, well, I say I tried look her up. I did look her up, but like uh, she hasn't been in anything else I've seen. She's primarily like a TV actress. Yeah. Primarily a, a model as well, so uh, puts in a hell of a shift in this film. I will say, fair play to her; she does a great job uh, with what she's got there. And she kind of looks like uh, Frances McDormand a little bit. A little bit, yeah, I have to admit. But uh, do you think her character in this is kind of like a prototype for a manic pixie dream girl? A little bit, yeah. That's it feels that's another element of this film is that even though that you can see beyond just the carpenter inspiration like elements of like there's certain things that would become tropes later on mm-hmm. uh, like this idea that the killer is just some guy as well although I admit, yeah, at the with, time that was still quite popular but with her, uh, but with her character in particular she's very uh, uh, very quirky very jokey yeah yeah like if this movie was remade in like mid to late 2000s she would be played by Zoe Deschanel or Mary Elizabeth Winston mm. <laughs> yeah like uh, she likes to have a joke. She likes to go to the bars by herself, have a have a laugh. You know? Oh, I've got Danny. She is smooth as fuck in that bar. By the way, she is. Like there is no way. I'll I'll hold my hands up there. I wish I could play this off the way she does. She hits on this guy with perfection. Oh. Walks up to her, right? Walks up to the guy. Goes, "Hi, my name's Leah. I'm pleased to know you. Oh, is it? I'm happy to know you, or something like that." She's like, "Pleased to know you." Happy to know you. Yeah, and then she fucks off. Waits about five seconds, walks back, and then goes, "Don't I know you?" And I was like, "I was like, there going." On the one hand, I appreciate it. On the other hand, if I tried that, I'd get fucking maced. So yeah. there's no chance. Men don't hit on her when they do, but she hits on men. So you know, yeah. she's she's a <clears throat> strong, independent woman who don't need no men, but she wants a man. So yeah, know. so she gets one. But, uh, yeah, but uh, when when she's introduced, though, she's uh, looking over the apartment that. Um, that the stalker was looking at, at, at during the intro um, and this is where the first of many I suppose red herrings come into play because yes, you, you the, think the that super, the, I yeah, for the owner of the building the real estate guy I don't know where he was just the guy that shows her about the apartment yeah he acts kind of dodgy 
and yeah. you're totally and kind of he starts being a wee bit suspicious and a wee bit too uh, too interested in like a backstory and yeah. all that stuff and kind of yeah and uh, she's uh, recently moved from New York uh, to LA yes to LA, the, probably mentioned yes to uh, what was it the Arkham Tower or something Arkham Towers called. yeah yeah which uh, somebody's been reading HP Lovecraft either a Lovecraft <laughs> reference or just uh, or Carpenter just likes Massachusetts either or we don't know mm. <laughs> well, he's probably a Lovecraft fan I mean who is so, fucking look at him <laughs> <laughs> who is a Lovecraft fan I am I don't know I can take him or leave him mm. but, uh, but uh, yeah Arkham Towers but I heard it first I was like excuse me Arkham Towers mm. I know for a fact your first thought was Batman no first thought was H.P. Lovecraft really Cause yeah. I, I know you've been in a Batman kick recently so I, I thought your first thought would have been Ar- would have been Batman but no like whenever I, whenever I hear anything in horror somebody's like ooh Arkham I'm like oh okay Lovecraft that's where we're going sure and then uh, you know she she's a live TV producer a director director sorry yes yeah. so you know so it's she's a more, in charge of the cameras and shit basically yeah, it's like a more serious version of the scene in Gremlins 2. Where they <laughs> <laughs> but how the fuck did you link this to Gremlins 2? Fuck me. <laughs> That's impressive. Because, you know, they both uh, do TV production in that movies. But, uh, and uh, she's <laughs> when, uh, when she was placed, uh, her job interview was essentially an on-the-job interview. Um, no, her job interview was, fuck it, here's, a cat, here's your first shift. If you don't, <laughs> if you do not fuck this up, you've got the job. And she was just like, "What the shit? Okay, right, fine, sound, and does the job under it's, immense pressure." I mean, I, uh, I didn't do TV, but I did do um, radio production in college for a year. And there was one time where. So how the fuck am I the one editing this then, you prick? Because I haven't done it in years. And I don't have any... I haven't done it ever, fuck you. <laughs> you, have a, you, have a, you have a computer, I do not. Oh, God damn it. So, uh, but no, there, Can you tell what skin is fuck? There, 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 there was one day when I was there, and let's just say, during lunch break, I was um, engaging in some activities. Recreational activities, should yes, I say. Yes, yes. And I went back up to class after lunch, and I, get, I got pulled aside by my lecturer... Because we had a guest, uh, guest and a guest speaker type guy. Um, he was some drummer in some fucking Scottish band from the 80s. A teenage fan club or something, right? I don't know. They were kind of in that Simple Minds type of, you know? Okay, cool. But he was in, and my lecturer takes me aside and pulls me into the recording booth to get to record this drummer guy doing a sort of sound... I didn't, you know, you were listening to, to uh, City Glasgow College Radio, that sort of thing. Mm. I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there looking at the buttons. I, like, I knew how to do it, but I was fucked. But you, <laughs> you knew how to do it, but you didn't know if you could do it. <laughs> I did it, and um, I heard it throughout the hallways for like six months, so it must have been okay. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> but that's how I felt watching this. Well, that's what that's all I can remember when I saw doing this thing. But this is where we're introduced to uh, uh, Adrian Barbeau's character. Yes, who is portrayed very tastefully in this film, surprisingly so. I cannot remember for the life of me. I did no. not write it down. Adrian Barbeau was like... Uh, I just have I just have it down as Adrian Barbeau. <laughs> Adrian Barbeau. Uh, this is also where John Carter met Adrian Barbeau. So, um, oh, cool. Sophie. 
Sophie, yes. Who's uh, portrayed very tastefully. Uh, she is one of the lesbians. And... She's uh, <laughs> one of those. She's one of the gays. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of dropped casually in the, in the line. You know? Yeah, and very... Yeah, handled very well throughout the film. Like, she hasn't had, like, first... A film that came out in 78. She isn't a joke. She isn't the butt of any jokes. She isn't at any point stereotyped. Mm. She isn't reduced to being just constantly hitting on women throughout the film. She's just her own fucking character. She's just another character, and that happens to be another aspect of the character. Although there is one line later on that makes me laugh... Very much. What was it? Uh, it's much later on in the film, but it's when uh, the Lee is talking to Sophie, and Sophie says, "Oh, by the way, thank you very much for like you didn't act threatened for me. I appreciate that. Threatened by me, I appreciate that." Mm-hmm. And Lee drops the fucking belter, right? <laughs> of it. I'm with men all the time, and they don't threaten me. So why should you? At this point, she's already getting fucking stalked, right? She's, she's, she's been sexually harassed at work as well. She's been sexually harassed by a cunt called Steve. Steve. And, uh, Steve! <laughs> of course he's called Steve. Fucking Stevie! <laughs> oh, no. Right. No, no. The no absolute... Stop. Stay strong, don't reference still game. Stay strong, don't reference still game. Right, I'm good. The absolute... Uh, the, uh, the, <laughs> the scumbag that I knew at college uh, doing the radio thing was also called Steve. Wait, well, Steven. Steve, man. Steven. He, he used to... Uh, good evening. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. she's a uh, very good representation, you know. Yeah, um, apart from that one line from Lee, which just makes no fucking sense, mm. because I guarantee there's not a single fucking woman on this earth that would say I'm with men all the time and they don't threaten me. Come on, take fuck. We know we're cunts. Let's be real here. <laughs> Well, we are not cunts, but there are cunts. I was going to say, I haven't sexually, <laughs> I haven't sexually harassed anybody. That you know of. <sighs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Nah, fuck that. No, for real though, like, that, that line just stuck it to me as being quite funny. But yeah, we're introduced to Steve <laughs> as well, and, uh, Steve. Dick. Steve. <laughs> I don't like Steve. Steve's, uh, Steve's whole deal is that he's really horny. And, uh, and he, he just does not stop. He really wants to take Lee out on a date, and uh, he even says that does. It, what was the line? Was it? Uh, I don't give up. Yes. <laughs> so, which is needless to say, a wee bit of AP. Mm-hmm. It's also in the the TV studio in her office where Lee gets the first phone call from the stalker man. Yes, she does. Yeah, yeah. and uh, she picks up the phone, and the stalker man says, "Welcome to the zone." <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, well, he fucking doesn't. Oh, you don't. You don't oh, okay. Well, like, what, what is that meant to be? Stalker Shadow Chernobyl. Oh, yeah, bastard. <laughs> oh, no, it's been so long since I played that fucking game. Too. Welcome to the zone. Welcome to the zone. But uh, um, yeah, and uh, is it is it here where? Um, yeah, so she goes home. And she this gets is where phone call in the apartment. Yeah, but this is where like the doors open and she goes in, and this yeah. is where we both shat ourselves. Yeah, because there's a great shot where she stood looking. She's just stood. I think she's like at the window or something looking. Well, to lay a bit of context, she arrives home and she finds that her door is unlocked and open. Yes, uh, she did not do that. Um, ah, so, so she, she enters in. And she's 
kind of not really looking around. She's she's still being kind of jokey. She says like my favorite line of the movie where she's uh, walking around. She's like, I gotta warn you. I live with Bruce. I live with Bruce I, Lee. I trained with Bruce Lee before he died. <laughs> but before he died, it's delivered so somberly, and it's followed by my favorite line in the film, which is, "I have a I have a black belt, you know. I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna fucking choke you with it." <laughs> <laughs> I should have said fuck it this is NBC in the 70s okay though. yeah well I think I'm going to choke you out with it like that's but no, which then, is a great use of the I have a black belt which isn't like oh my hands are dead if it's got deadly weapons no my black belt's a deadly weapon come here you prick but where we shot ourselves is uh, we mentioned it briefly earlier but she's on the telephone with uh, the building supervisor yeah basically saying your guys didn't shut the door when they left because there is a note from the supervisor yeah, we saying that they came in for like some kind of inspection yeah, and then uh, silently, this guy, this this shape, this, this dude, this fully blacked out shape, right, just bolts it mm. from from one end of the th- in and out of the frame, right. Yeah, behind her, and she doesn't notice. She uh, doesn't notice because he runs silently. That's the that's the moment that had me hooked for this film. That's the bit that got me. Because like, up yeah. until this point, there's been like a couple of things that are like, oh, okay, this could be quite cool. The characters are interesting. Uh, we already mentioned about the character Sophie and all that being like a nice little, well, okay, cool. Maybe this isn't going to be a put as... Uh, maybe this isn't going to be just another fucking TV movie to mm-hmm. what have you. And then that happens and it's like, oh, shit, okay. It's kind of... It's, it's a stark reminder that you are watching a... I feel like it's not too... Uh, hyperbolic to say this you're watching a master of horror in his infancy effectively uh, create this and that is very apparent in this shot and a few shots later on in the movie as well Mm. where yeah we are dealing with we are dealing with albeit a young John Carpenter still fucking John Carpenter like that guy knows how to frighten you and he said as well when he was making this like uh, obviously he didn't have a lot of time to make this it was made for TV so he didn't have a lot of time so he wasn't able to get like, you know, very, apart from the POV shots, he wasn't able to get very creative with his camera angles or anything like that. But, you know, what he does is very good. Uh, That's one thing that I think actually helps this film a lot. And mm-hmm. that he's kind of having to work around these limitations. And so it tricks you into thinking it's going to be just another standard fare or this is just going to be another kind of like lifetime original some poor wee woman gone through hell for an hour and 30 minutes. Like basically, <laughs> that's what we're going to watch here. And then every now and then he'll do something, he'll fling a shot in there, like the POV shots, like that shot of the with the guy running in the background that will remind you, no, this isn't this isn't your average fucking... This isn't your a- average like afternoon horror flick. This is something that's going to stick with you for a couple of days at least. Yeah, like TV movies, you need to also remember the TV movies back in the day. They were a big deal. Are not like TV movies now. Yeah, they were a big deal back in the day. <laughs> like uh, Steven Spielberg's first movie was a TV movie. Yeah. Duel. And that's very yeah. good, you know. Uh, TV movies now, they. Well, saying that, though, with the nowadays, exception of streaming. With the exception of streaming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Ray Donovan movie was very good. When we mention uh, TV movies in this context, I think because of when we grew up, we are talking like yeah, we grew up the era of Disney Channel originals. We are talking about <laughs> sci-fi, originals. sci-fi originals, Lifetime mm-hmm. originals, Hallmark Channel movies, like that kind of shit mm-hmm. is what we're talking. That's the level of quality that we that I don't I don't want to speak for yourself here, Cub, but that's the level of quality that I when I hear TV movie, 
That's the kind of thing I expect. Oh, yeah. That like the director video that or either the director video Hellraiser movies, which I can fucking do one. But uh Hellraiser Inferno's good, I will not hear it. Screw you. I, I, I will fight you to the death on that. We're gonna do a Hellraiser series and you're gonna watch all those director video movies and you're gonna hate it and I'm gonna hate it too. But you know, Hellraiser Five, Inferno. Fucking good movie. No. It's a decent concept, but anyway, we'll get to that later. But I don't want to, yeah, TV I don't movies. Want, I don't want to spend a half hour of this um, the someone's watching me episode talking about fucking Hellraiser. TV movies, TV movies though, like uh, they have a reputation, which is well earned. I, I remember cases, watching though. Yes, I remember watching. Have you ever seen this? There was a. It was originally released as like a two-part thing, so like. Uh, you know, two-part miniseries. I'm pretty sure they edited it down to be a feature-length thing for TV sometimes. It was based... It was Peter Benchley, the guy that wrote Jaws. Right. And he... It was based on... I can't remember if it was another book he wrote or if he just wrote this thing. It was called Creature. I remember that. Yeah, it was like the half-man, half-shark. Yeah! That shit was cool. Uh, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure, though, if we were to go back and watch, it would be shite, but... (laughs) It was pretty good. I remember that. I remember that freaking me out as a kid. Yeah, like that. That those those are some good examples of TV movies. I remember a few years ago. Uh, I think this is like one of the first times I I I came to the conclusion that movies aren't all good. Was when <laughs> was when I was in Blockbuster. I had seen Lake Placid. Not that Lake Placid's a great movie, but you know, it's pretty decent. But I saw sitting next to it Lake Placid Two. Oh no! And. You know, I stuck the DVD in and it was like, sci-fi original. And, you know, I didn't know what that was, so, you know, whatever. And it was just shit. It was just shit. I hated every minute of it. It was terrible. But that's just the reputation TV movies have nowadays. Back in the day, you used to have the TV mo- you used to have the movie of the week. Uh, yes. I don't know how it is. I don't know, really know how it was here, but at least in America, it was TV, it was your movie of the week. It was always, like, um, heavily promoted. They got really good ratings. Usually, they were quite good. You know, usually yeah. fondly remembered. And watching this one, you can kind of see why. Because they were treated with respect. It wasn't just a case of, let's let's shit out a movie to fill this time slot. It was, no, this is this is our big, like, mm. so, this is our big, like, Sunday night TV kind of... Like, this like, could have easily yeah. gone into, into cinemas and... Maybe not, like, a huge hit, but it would have been, like, you know... It would have been a cult classic, I think. Yeah. It would have done well in home video, which yeah. is probably why it went straight to... Uh, TV movie. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, we have uh, the guy sneaking out of the apartment. The door slams. She notices that, but yeah. Yeah, and we no- we the audience notice that the apartment is bugged mm-hmm. uh, slightly after this scene as well, which is probably what that guy was in there doing at the time. Yeah. Well, well, just fast forward a bit. At the end, she does say like when she she received that phone call at work to make sure that she wasn't there. So yeah, so it was. He could yeah, bug it. Is... So uh, is this where she goes to the bar? Um, I think that's a little bit later on, but yeah, we'll just jump forward to that yeah, because she there goes, is she goes to the one most of the things that this film does, which you'll have to decide for yourself whether this is a detriment or not. But there are long stretches throughout this film, like I'm talking full scenes where effectively nothing of major interest happens. Well, this part, well, at the bar, I suppose you could argue that they're introducing another character. Like, no, oh, no, no, I'm not talking about the bar. I'm talking about there is a lead-up to the bar. It doesn't just go straight from the apartment to the bar. There's a few scenes where she's just in the apartment away talking to herself. There's a scene in work where she's talking to Sophie. And then we go to the bar. Mm. I should also mention, um, I forgot to mention it, 
if Steve is also... I'm not sure if it was actually... If he was actually placed as a red herring or if this was just me watching it. But, uh... Although, I heavily suspected Steve. Yeah, so, you know, Steve is also there. He could be like, Ooh, it could be Steve doing all this. Um, yeah. He only actually ever appears in that one scene. <laughs> so... Yeah, he never appears in the movie again. Yeah. But, yeah... Which is kind of why I thought it was going to be him. Mm. Because it was like, okay, we'll have this one asshole character appear and then disappear for the rest of the movie... And then he's going to appear at the end as the fucking stalker. And they're going to be like, oh, that makes sense. That incel fuck. I'll uh, <laughs> do Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. But yeah, she, so she goes to this bar and it's the most gloriously 1970s fucking bar I've ever seen. Wood panel galore. What Red carpets. Oh, yeah. Smoky as fuck. You know? mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain this was a real bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't get that. You can't get that look of an ash of an ashen carpet. You can't you get that from a set. You can't. Do you know what it reminded me of? Go on. I mean, this isn't like a specific place, but it reminded me of. So we're both from uh, fairly small working class towns. Yes. Right. So the working man's social clubs. Yes. That we have around here. Hundred percent. Yes. I mean, like an old button bend kind of thing. Like yeah. Aye, aye. aye. You walk in and the carpet's fucking sticky, you know. So no, 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 no the carpet's sticky. <laughs> sticky elbows. Like you go in the bar and then, like you aye. get that so everything you lift mm. your elbows up. The carpet isn't sticky, but the minute you go into the tiles, it's sti- your shoes are sticking. Mm. It reminded me of one of those, and I fucking loved it. Oh yeah, no, no I was, I was, ta- I was taking it back to the very same. Like bowling club, button bend kind of kind of situation. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I miss him. Part of me wants to go. Uh, I do as well. I kind of miss him a little bit as well. But uh, this this yeah. bar looks fantastic. But this is where we're introduced to uh, Paul. Yes, who becomes the uh, sort of love interest. Of the yeah, film. yeah, and uh, you know this is where we have the smooth lines that we just mentioned before. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> I had a really <laughs> odd line. I have a I have a note here. <laughs> okay. Uh, just says Paul's a good guy hope he doesn't die or end up being a stalker and <laughs> that was my thing because mm. I've been stung by scream I don't want the boyfriend to, I don't want the boyfriend to turn around and end up being a cunt at the end so she has those smooth lines of uh, you know don't I know don't I know yeah that but, was uh, but she also has a really odd line so she's sitting next to him yeah let's not quote that one but uh, no 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 we're we going to talk about this okay. we're going to quote this she taps him on the leg, like not like she's like like she's knocking on a door, right? Yeah. Fucking wrapping his leg, and he's like, well, "What'd you do that for?" And she's like, "Oh, I have a, I have a strange, a strange fear. fear." Yes. And he's like, "A fear of what?" She's like, "Of being of being raped by dwarves." So she's checking to see if he's actually like got his full legs. Very odd. So yeah, she's checking to see that he's not two dwarves in a twi- in a trench coat, basically. Yeah, she's checking to see that he's not. Uh, oh, what's that character of Bojack called? Uh, oh, I know. What is it like? Something Adultman or something like Vincent that. Adultman. Vincent Adultman, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. And then she does the whole um, heads or tails, you buy me a drink, but you never actually see the coin, so she could have just been bullshitting the entire time. Well, you know she was. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't have a coin. But yeah, they seem to. Uh, they seem to. Uh, they had it off. They had it off pretty well. Uh, we have them walking through the, through the streets of uh, Dark Alley at night. Clearly, in like. Very quiet, so I'm assuming that they were in the, um, like a financial building. Like either that or they're in like a Warner Brothers lot, like car park. I don't or know, there like was that. gigantic buildings around all over the place. I don't know. I assumed it was like in the finance park, because in Glasgow, 
you go to the financial part yeah, there's no one there. there's fuck all there except for there was one time though I was walking through there um, I was getting picked up outside the Hilton right okay so I had to walk to the Hilton because uh, there was no trains running I had to walk to the Hilton and I'm in the financial part of town I walk past this car and there's a guy getting a blowy off of a car <laughs> <laughs> and she sees me and she's like oh, fuck <laughs> People make Glasgow. <laughs> well, they do. <laughs> but um, that was also the night I got into the wrong car. <laughs> yeah, I remember this, that. So, I, this car, so this car pulled up that looked exactly like... It was my parents that were picking me up in this car. Exactly. Exact like same make. Exact same make. Um, exact same model. Uh, so I just opened up the front door, almost got in, and this guy looked terrified. He was like... Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm just sitting there like, oh, sorry, pal, we're all cool. Okay, I thought he was getting fucking robbed, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just sitting outside the Hilton for ages. Uh, Some big drunken fucking goth just tries to get into his car. I'm not goth, what are you talking about? Fuck up, you had the long year and I guarantee you were wearing a metal shirt at the time. Probably, I don't know. But yeah, where did you <laughs> fucking go? But, uh, but yeah, so... Do you know, right, so we were briefly talking about this. So after the bar scene, uh, Lee and Paul are walking. Um, she gets in her car. Yeah. Also, drink driving. No, no, no. But then again, yeah. again it was the 70s, so who the who fuck cares? Who fuck, yeah. But, uh, also, before we move on, what a nice car she's got, by the way. I fucking mm-hmm. love that car. There, I, I didn't look up what car it was, but I'm fairly certain there is a website that's like the internet movie database of cars. Yeah, that is, yeah. So there might be, there might know what it is, but it's like, it's, would you classify that as a muscle car? No. No? No, too small. It's like a two, it's like a two-seater thing, it's like a sports coupe or some shit. But yeah, like, that's yeah, pretty much what it is, It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool. But, uh, so she gets in the car and she forgets to give Paul her number, so... She goes to try and find him, and he's gone. Yeah. But we should say, we should preface this, before he leaves, we see the stalker moving bushes out of the way in a POV shot, kind of like Friday the 13th, where he's, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Pamela Voorhees has her man hands and is, like, looking for the bushes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we have that, right? We have that shot, and Paul leaves, and when Lee goes to find him, he's gone. I thought he was dead. I thought he was gone. I thought that meant, yeah, I took that to mean, like, oh, stalker's caught him and killed him. But no, he just turns up in the next scene. So yeah, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. He's but just fine. There's like a dinner date later on, and he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, she moved on pretty quick, but no, it's, no, it's him. It's him. Yeah, it's like, um, oh, that. But before this, she receives a present. Really, there's from, also the drunk guy. Oh my god! Yeah, he comes up and just goes. It's a hell of a life. Yeah, because she, <laughs> she drops her keys in the car and says, "Oh, you meet a guy and your your hands just turn to thumbs or some shit like that." And, you know, something you can, fucking quick. There's <laughs> a guy just like, "Oh, it's a hell of a life." Yeah, just a, it's a hell of a life, isn't it? I actually, <laughs> I, I actually assumed that that was going to be a reveal where he's like the stalker and he was like placing like a tracking thing or a car or something. But no, it's just a drunk guy. <laughs> it's just a random drunk, yeah. Yeah. So, where where does the movie go after this? Uh, Present number one. Mm. So she gets a telescope from her, from her stalker. stalker. Under the pretense of being a travel company, Excursions Unlimited. Yes. And the idea being that they would send out presents to her, and if she can guess based on the presents where they're going to send her, then they'll fucking send her there. Mm. Yeah, which is a... <laughs> which we later on to find out later on in the film to be bullshit. I mean, we kind of figure out no. bullshit anyway. But, but, but yeah, it's a weird idea in general, but... You know, <laughs> I can see folk being into that though. Mm. 
the idea of like a scavenger hunt turning into a holiday. That's kind of like that's what I could see that taking off. But yeah, so receives this package, opens it up, big fuck off telescope. Yeah, which <laughs> at first, this is before we meet. This is before we meet Paul again. I fully thought this was going to be like Paul's head or some shit. <laughs> like, or it was just going to be like some kind of, or like a finger or something, because it's a TV, it's NBC, so it's not going to be like a decapitated, bleeding head. I thought we were going to see like a finger or a hand or something with a note that says like, you know, like, you know, find, like fucking Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm your boyfriend now, like that shit. Mm. No, no, it's just a telescope. Very nice looking telescope. <laughs> she has to assemble by herself. and uh, Which we see her do it in full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because again, we shot in 18 days and they needed to make it feature length, so... Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, you do what you can. But yeah, these these sort of apartment buildings as well, like, we should probably preface this by saying, like, um... So she's on, like, they say she's on some sort of mental hype for us, like, the... Yeah, she's basically in a penthouse. Yeah, well, how high would that, that do? Do you remember how many floors it was? It was, like, 30 or... 38 or something like that. Yeah, 40 maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So, like... She's fairly high up. The, the apartment um, is just essentially a wall of glass. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, the full, like, like one of the windows, it's basically just like bed door windows, essentially. Yeah, stretch out the entire fucking wall. Yeah. Um, you know, this is just me, but maybe, like, when you move in, just put up drapes anyway. Because the other apartment building, the other tower, right across the door. is right across. And have you. Um, so. This might date us a little bit. Recently, um, there was news. Have you heard about this in Glasgow? Um, the Buchanan Galleries mm-hmm. in Glasgow. For those who do not live in Glasgow, Buchanan Galleries are a shopping mall on several floors, three or four. Yeah. And the top floor is where all the bathrooms are, is where all the toilets are. Mm-hmm. So, but. Next to the toilet, next to the door to the toilets, there's a massive window. Yes. Right? And across the way from that window are penthouse flats. Yes. Re- they've, uh, the, the residents of those flats have actually been complaining to the council and the owners of Buchanan Galleries that uh, they should probably tint the windows in Buchanan Galleries because people are just looking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and... Uh, <laughs> so that happened. So it does happen, and... Um, Another thing that happened, uh, my sister um, lived in... And Buchanan Galleries? No, no, she, she <laughs> lived in... She lived uh, by the river in Glasgow. She lived in a sort of recent development um, near Partick. Oh, okay. And, like, uh, it was kind of like a similar setup to, like, the, the apartment building in this. Oh, this. okay. And she actually um, said that she was convinced that somebody was spying in on her flat because uh, mm. she said like she would occasionally see flashes that she thought was like a camera or something. But I like the glint coming uh, off of her. Yeah. Uh, so like like a flash photography. You know? So she's not sure if that was actually that or if it was just the suns. But but you know, so the fear is real. <laughs> the fear is certainly real. Oh yeah, that's one of the things that this uh, one of the things that this movie shares with Halloween. And the idea of bringing, bringing horror home, so to speak, and that rather than being like some big fantastical threat like zombies or aliens or what have you, or the supernatural, this is a very real yeah. thing that many, many, many women throughout the UK, throughout the world, uh, have first-hand experience of. 
Yeah, and also and those who don't most likely have second-hand experience of it. If you haven't been through this yourself, chances are you know someone who has. I mean, I, I didn't go through it, but I remember when I lived in when I lived in Glasgow, uh, the front of my the front of my flat looked onto a park, so like you know nobody could yeah. see it. I mean, somebody on a bus could probably see it if you looked up. But um, I lived on the top floor. Doesn't sound that it's not as exciting as I make it sound out to be. I was on the third floor. Yeah. So I lived on the top floor. I lived on, I lived on a fucking penthouse in Glasgow. No, but the, I lived in a fucking shite. You're on the third floor of a fucking tenement building. Get the fuck. In a scheme. <laughs> so, but like, uh, in the scheme. <laughs> but the the back of the flat uh, was in the only way I can describe the back what the back of the flat looked onto was uh, ur- was urban hellscape. So surrounded on all sides by by other flats. Yeah. So, I mean, if I could do it, they could. Uh, you could look out my kitchen window or my bedroom window and be looking directly into somebody else's bedroom or kitchen. Yeah. And they could be doing up. the same to me. Yeah. Um, but this movie also shows uh, how... I'm not sure if inefficient's the word. Well, actually, inefficient probably is the word. How ineffective the police are in dealing with stalkers. Yes, and that is something that hasn't changed. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I can I can attest to this. I have a, I have a friend, uh, I'm not going to name names, still live in Glasgow. Um, she had a neighbour in her flat, uh, directly across, who would look into their flat and uh, just be jacking off. So Jesus! And she went to the police, and the police, to their credit, did visit him and was like, bro, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> But this went on a couple of times, and uh, eventually he did stop. I think they eventually. Um, I can't remember if he got evicted or if he just moved, but, but you know something did happen. So, but yeah, it, yeah, but it took a while it for took it a to while. happen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the same, a similar situation occurs in this movie, uh, minus the jacking off, uh, but, <laughs> where uh, the police are called. They're made well. They're made aware of the uh, the situation and it well in advance of anything happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know that this man is a threat. They know that this... Well, they don't even know there's a man yet. They know that this individual is a threat. They know that he is harassing this poor young woman. Mm-hmm. But because they have not said anything specifically to threaten harm in any way, shape or form to this woman, yeah. they can't do shit. Because until harm is specifically threatened or or attempted, then it is not harassment apparently, yeah. which is bollocks uh, and horrendous and still something that can occur to this day. Yeah, uh, with police. So that is something that this film draws attention to in 1978 that still to this day in 2023 is a major, uh, major problem uh, with our police force in the UK, in the US. Yeah, it happened very recently. In the US there was a podcaster who was just murdered by her stalker. Yes. Um, I can't remember her name, but, but it happened. It happened very recently, so... It's still a threat, but uh, uh Zora, I believe, even spelt Z O H R E H. Zora and Sedegi. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, Zora Sedegi, uh, who knew who her stalker was, yeah, named him to the yeah. police, yeah. Uh, and yet police did nothing, and she ended up tragically. Yeah, her uh, and her, her and her uh, husband, I think. Yeah, 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 both of them went, yeah. Yeah, so, so you know... This is still a very real issue. It still happens. You know, so, and this movie, I wouldn't say, I don't know if this movie was really a sort of statement about that, or if it just... I think it was an accidental statement. Because I know this is based, I know 
Carpenter took inspiration from a real story that happened. I don't know if all the stuff in this happened happened to this woman. Uh, he did say that he, <laughs> he did say that he changed it from Chicago to LA. So you know whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so she gets this telescope, and uh, is this where he? It's not exactly here where he challenges her to try and find them, but I think so. That's what. That's what's implied with the telescope. Does she even know she's been? She doesn't even really know she's been stalked at this point. She doesn't know she's being watched. At this point, she's had several phone calls. Yeah. She doesn't know the apartment's bugged. She doesn't know that she's being watched. All she knows is that this man is stalking her. Knows when she's at work. Knows when she's at home. Yeah, because she does have a conversation with Paul when they're having dinner about it. And he mm. takes the letter, I guess, to try and find out who excursions are. And yeah, takes her. it to the police and, what, and tries to find the company. They find out the company is bogus. And this is where we're introduced to... Uh, Charles Cipher. Well, no, actually, no. We were skipping over, but uh, she has uh, Paul and uh, Sophie over, and they're looking for him. That happens later. Does it? That happens after, yeah. So right. So after the first present, we go to the dinner date. Is that what Paul? Paul that yeah. Guy, yeah. Uh, right, yeah, he takes the letter, and uh, he he takes the letter after that. Mm-hmm. Then she has the conversation with Sophie at work where she hurts out with the, I'm with men all the time, they don't threaten me. Which is... Was that, at was that, work, uh, was that the Italian restaurant that you know is just an Italian restaurant because they have an Italian flag in the back? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have expected the waitress to come over and be like, hey, we got the, yeah. we got the, the wine. <laughs> and in that front we have possibly as, again, I don't know if this is a favourite of mine because of how fucking unhelpful it is, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, a oh, is this when she's like, is this when she's like, what did he look like? Yeah. A <laughs> bottle of champagne is sent to the table. I compliments of the man at the bar. She Lee turns, turns around. There. There's nobody there. She turns around with a f- expression of again. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> hats off to Lord Martin because she sells this look in a big fucking way. Mm-hmm. She looks terrified. She asks, "What did he look like?" Waitress. Totally unaffected by this very clearly distraught young woman in front of her, just goes, I don't know, just a man. Yeah. And then fucks off. Just walks away to leave her there. Also, can I. Fucking shaking can her I, Can I just ask as well? There's a part that uh, Sophie's talking about, they're eating spaghetti, because, you know, it's the only fucking thing you can get in an Italian restaurant, apparently. Yeah. I say this as an Italian. So. Fucking. <laughs> she's eating. <laughs> Cut back, hold on. Uh, a third. Yeah, whatever. But I have an Italian surname. I could say it. <laughs> I could. I could call. Him, I could call Guineas and Guidos. But but uh, she's eating spaghetti, right? And she says like, "We have to wrap her around the spoon." Who the fuck eats spaghetti with a spoon? Me. How was he to have just a knife and a fork? No, no, no. Because you get the fork. Okay, you stab some spaghetti. You then put the tip of the fork to the spoon to wrap it around. And it doesn't go fucking everywhere with the knife because the knife it ends up just clicking and clacking all over the place. But if you well, I don't the use the knife and touch it. I just use I just use the fork, dab in the spaghetti, and then just kind of twist it. Then <laughs> it's all there. Yeah, and then it all fucking falls off. And like, does it? If you use the spoon, you can like kind of. Does it? Listen, not all of us are professionals. Okay, some of us need assistance. I don't even in like the form of a spoon. I don't even like spaghetti. Fuck spaghetti. You're but. fucking heathen. Oh, but uh, I I still think that waitress should have sounded like a proper little, little Italian woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have sold it. Hey, he's the one. <laughs> no, Get it from the man over the no, bar. No, 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 no. 
Only you can get away with that, but you still fucking, you barely know. Oh, what did, what did he look like? Eh, hey, just a man. What did he look like? Just a paisan. What did he, what did he look like? Ain't no snitch. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> Bro, that Italian, that Italian restaurant, that actually look kind of shite. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And then, so, yeah, she goes to the Italian and, yeah, he leaves her a bottle of champagne. Um, yeah. Is, this, is that where she has them all over? I can't remember. I don't know either. See, this movie, when we said like uh, this movie drags on a little bit, certain parts, this the, is what we're talking about. This is where, yeah, when we get to kind of act two. Yeah, because they're, they're just kind of, it's just kind of like, act two is kind of like just uh sort it's of just a list of things <laughs> happening. Yeah, it's like yeah. this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And it's it's very easy to lose track of where you're at at this point. This is where I stopped taking notes, actually. Uh, because I just kind of not gave up necessarily, but I was like, none of these notes are connected. Nothing really is happening that's advancing the plot in any major way. It's just effectively... Basically, I think just basically what happens around about this place is doesn't she go home and there's like a a note on her door that says like, oh, I just missed you. I'll be in the garage until 11.30. Yes. And she goes to the garage with a knife and (laughs) fucking... Yeah, she does. Yeah, she. Yeah. I mean, I mean, got. I mean, you know what? So, normally, our normally our horror protagonists will wait for some kind of major misunderstanding uh, to get them thrown in jail. Uh, hats off to Leah for taking probable cause with her. No, she's just going to shank this bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she goes down uh, to the garage. She hears a bunch of footsteps and doors slamming. So she goes to the. She follows them, and it leads her into. I thought this was like a locker room at first. It was very strange. Um, mm. but she rounds the corner and it's the laundry room and you don't see anybody but you hear some footsteps and uh, she's standing on a grate yeah a gigantic grate I don't know why that's there <laughs> I don't know what that grate's purpose is but she needs to hide Neither from she decides she needs to hide from uh, stalker man so she uh, lifts the grate up and um, <laughs> you sound like a fucking Marvel character stalker man Stucker man. So she, my superpower is a disgusting woman. <laughs> <laughs> she right. There's two ways you can read that. Either it makes women disgusted, or it generates women that are filthy and just fucking throws them at people. <laughs> just fucking throwing women at folk. Stanley trying to pitch this idea. <laughs> <laughs> you see Stanley I'm imagining fucking Frank Reynolds trying to pitch this idea he just throws filthy women he just throws the whores <laughs> but anyway, she hides under this grate and it's actually quite fucking massive I was going to say suspenseful but yes it's, it's quite it's quite a suspenseful thing. Yeah, um, a cigarette Yeah, she stands. Yeah, you stand it on top of her. You don't see it. Do you even see it? You don't really see his face. You kind of do. Yeah, you see his under. You see his chin, and uh, smoking a fag and smoking a cigarette, and then uh, they know we're for the UK. It's fine. Yeah, and then uh, drops it down the grate. Sparks on the face. Where it does, <laughs> and uh, he walks off and. You know, I would have waited a bit longer before trying to get out of that fucking grate after he leaves. She just fucking gets out of there. Considering, one, that looked uncomfortable as shit. I know, Two, I know, but... Like, she's just had a fucking fag bounced off her face. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
Have you ever had a, have you ever had a, have you ever had a fucking, like, dog end of a fag pinged off your face? It's not pleasant, right? So. I was sitting on a couch once and, uh, a friend of mine was smoking and, uh, she wasn't paying attention to where the ashtray was and she just kind of went, hit off my arm. It was pretty bad. But, um. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty bad. Imagine that after your cheek. Yeah, but, you know, you could wait, like, another two minutes or so to make sure the guy's actually gone. Oh, fuck that. Get out of there, man. But she gets out, and this is where we're introduced to Red Herring number three. She gets out of the grate. Some random gun. Yeah, this is some guy. He's washing. And she she leaves, goes back upstairs. He gets arrested later. Yeah, he does. She goes back upstairs, finds another note saying, like, well, I just missed you in the car park. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) so he leaves. Um... I think it's, yeah, it's at this point where, I can't remember how she gets, the, what her reasoning is, but she does get Paul and Sophie around to have a sort of, like, fighting the pervert party, you know? Yeah, they do a kind of wrecky where they keep on looking <laughs> for them. And at this point, Sophie's she pissed. threatened. Sophie has wrecked. <laughs> Sophie's pissed. Um, yeah, she says that she's going to potentially, oh, that's later on, actually, but yeah. So they're, they're no, like, no, at this point, she knows she's going to Fort Worth. Fort Worth, yeah. Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. They do a lot of anime dubbing over there. I think Funimation are based over there. Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, full of oil and weebs. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and from what I understand about uh, the, the anime voice actors, a lot of sexual deviants. So. No, okay, moving on. <laughs> A lot of allegations. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, Fucking yeah. Funimation allegation. So she's uh, announced that she's going to take up a job in Fort Worth, and uh, so she may be leaving. Uh, and they find... They do see they a guy... A guy setting up a... a fucking telescope. And it's the same guy from the garage. Yeah. And uh, so they call the police. Police left him. Uh-huh. And uh, he's he found out he's been taking dirty forties. <laughs> yeah, he's the most Italian man ever as well. Yes. I don't know about the most Italian man ever, but he's definitely Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see anything like this, man. I did not know. I did not see this bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I did not see this. And, uh, he's got the most New York accent I've ever heard in my life. But uh, yeah, so he's lifted and he's sentenced to the. The worst fate imaginable. His pension's taken away, he loses his job, and he has to move to Des Moines, Iowa. (laughs) Fucking, what was it you called it? The land of Slipknot. That's where they're from. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No wonder the songs were so angry. They're from fucking Des Moines. (laughs) I've been to Des Moines. (laughs) When? Uh, Years ago. So he's sentenced to Des Moines, and uh, the police are watching him, so as far as the police are concerned, case closed. They've got the guy, yeah. Yeah, case closed. But the notes keep coming. Yeah. Where the fuck do they come from? What the fuck? So the notes keep coming and they don't stop coming. So I hit the going on. That makes sense not to live for and we've just been copyright struck. So <laughs> So, you know, Lee's still paranoid as fuck. At this point she's all but given up on her job. She hasn't appeared at work in a while. Um it's not been that, it's been like a couple of days. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and this is also where Sophie just kind of, like, scares the shit out of her. Um, she just kind of appears in her apartment 
Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, who's Sophie just fucking turns up like, how tone deaf do you need to be to just turn up <laughs> to somebody's apartment that was getting fucking stalked? And she's like, well, I didn't mean to scare you. I was like, what? Yeah, you fucking did, you can't. But who lets themselves into people's houses? I don't know. Life no, no, isn't like 70s. a sitcom. <laughs> it was the 70s, man. No, that's true. People used to hitchhike. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine hitchhiking now? <laughs> You'd get murdered so quickly. <laughs> Why me? No, I mean just like in general, like if oh, you were to hitchhike, you'd get murdered so quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It wasn't you specifically. I mean, there's a there's a few things like I think when people used to do back in the day, where it's just kind of like you sometimes hear stories of people just like sleeping in a park. Yeah, to well, be fair, I've done that. Gonna, I was gonna say you can't say shit. Yeah, I've done that. I, I've I've heard that. I've read that story. You fucking typed that out at one yeah, point. I've I've done that before. But then again, there was other people doing it, so I was safe. <laughs> but uh no because you were all asleep you stupid bastard in a foreign country as well <laughs> wait a foreign country I was thinking about another incident I was in Barcelona fuck where were we uh Sophie's just frightened the shit out of yeah 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 and uh so she devises because they, they, they came to the conclusion that whoever uh, is is stalking her watching her must live on you know ah yeah like above floor 30 they say to which Lady flies oh well that really narrows it down thank you yeah that's how they find the guy that gets uh, fucking deported to Des Moines so deported <laughs> to Des Moines yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, I send you to Illinois boom Iowa Iowa fuck sorry okay <laughs> it's like Illinois but worse <laughs> how can you get worse than Illinois Illinois is alright it's got Chicago yeah, exactly. How can you get worse than Illinois? Chicago's fucked. Well, you know, if you want to go down this way, you've got Illinois, which is fine, right? Then at least they're... And then you've got uh, Wisconsin. They're at least known for, you know, beer and cheese. What the fuck is Iowa known for? Corn. Not the band. Not the band. But the plant. Slipknot. And Slipknot. That's it. And Slipknot their, and corn. And the river was apparently on fire for a while, so... Yeah, fuck Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. What got, what's their two most famous exports? Slipknot and Stone Sour. And they're essentially the same fucking band. <laughs> they are. Got two of the same guys in it, so fucking... Holy shit, yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so... Is this where... Um... Don't ask me this, you better stop taking notes. Uh, that's true. But... It... I think this is where, yeah. like... Um... She convinces Sophie to do like a reverse rear window. What do you mean? Or she convinces Sophie just to do rear window. Oh no, this or, is good. Yeah, she breaks into the gaff. Yeah, so and they ask so, Sophie to watch her break into the gaff. So that yeah, because they because doesn't does they find they can see the guy. Yeah, because she's looking through. She's looking through the the telescope. They find the actual guy. Yeah, she's looking. House. She's looking through the telescope after the other guy was arrested, just because she's convinced that. Um, you know they've got the wrong guy, and yeah. uh, also I I have to say like you remember when um, she has the the police guy Charles Cipher's back, and uh, he's trying to convince her like oh they've arrested him you know yeah she does <laughs> she does have this look on her face at one point she's turning out she's got her back turned to him, and like she's just got this look on her face that's kind of like woo. Yeah, just a very overly overdone sort of look, but you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, she sees this. She sees a man with a telescope on the penthouse. So 
She tells Sophie to stay in the apartment. She will go over and uh, scout the place. Out, yeah, the, I need an edge. She takes a knife. <laughs> oh, I just realised that's a pun. Oh, god damn it! Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so she gets into the apartment. Very fancy looking. Well, that's a penthouse. So yeah, yeah. And uh, she finds the tape recorder. Finds the. The fucking NASA telescope that this guy's got. Yeah, finds all that and a bunch of. Um, well, that's later on, actually. But yes, so she finds all the equipment. She just finds the brochure for. That's later on. Oh, is it? Right, okay. But then um, she's like, she decides that she's going to look through the telescope, and this is when Sophie hears a knock, hears a, a rattling at the door. door. And she's they're, they're speaking through walkie talkies. So, you know, and she's like, Lee! Lee, there's somebody at the door. And Lee is either just a fucking idiot or is just not understanding what's happening here because she hears uh, she Sophie screaming and, and she's seeing nothing. it. Yeah. And she sees it. She's like, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening? And she sees her getting fucking strangled. Yeah, so uh, bye-bye, Sophie. Sophie's gone. Yeah. Um, she returns back to the apartment. Sophie is literally gone. She's disappeared. Yeah, there's no sign of them whatsoever. So she calls the police again. They're back at the, the, the stalker flat, stalker apartment. And, uh, and it's been cleared out of yeah, all, all the, the equipment. All the equipment's gone. Uh, Charles Cyphers tells her that this apartment belongs to some uh, journalist, I would yeah, say. Journalist, and he's, yeah, journalist. And he's been away for like two months. So this is not the stalker's apartment. He's just yes. using it. So that leads, that leads uh, to a few questions of who the fuck can get into all these places and whatever. Because remember, he's also controlling her lights. Yes, controlling her lights and controlling the elevator later on. Yeah, yeah. So some this guy seems to have some sort of either he's a supernatural being or he or he wields immense power. You know. Yes. Um, also, can we just talk about Charles Cyphers for a moment? Go on. This man does not change his hairstyle in any of these movies. He no, he doesn't. No, he, he, he just looks the like same. It. He just looks the same. Looks like he's just been like plopped out of one movie where he's like, put on this jacket. Put on that jacket. Yeah, constantly. I love it though. I put love on it this so jacket. Much. Now take off this one and put on this one. Go into this room. I think it's because when you've got such an iconic look of Polis, I bet you. You don't yeah, exactly want to change it. He's only been so far. He's been in three of these movies. He was in. A, he was in Assault in Precinct Thirteen as a policeman. He was in Halloween. As a policeman. And he's in this. As a policeman. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a polis. He does. What so, can you say? Uh, he's not in the fog, is he? I don't know, he'll fucking be a polis in that and all, I imagine. Um, just checking to see if he's in the fog. Can't try to cuff the fog at some point, I don't know. And his name's Gary Hunt as well. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I thought his name was Gene. But uh, that was not. He is an Elvis. Oh yeah, he is, in the, he is in the fog, playing a character called Dan O'Bannon. Hey, fucking Dan! And he's in Escape from New York, so we're going to see a bit more of him. Yeah, we're going to see a lot more of him. He's that, fucking the, everything. When the, last, when the last Carter movie he's in that I can tell, unless you want to count Halloween 2, is... Um, Halloween 2 wasn't a Carpenter movie, we're no, not covering that. But unless you want to count Halloween 2 was Escape from New York. Oh, well, okay. And then he appears in Halloween Kills. Yeah, that's the same character. Yeah. So, and Escape from New York is the US Secretary of State oh I'm moving up he's getting promoted from a Polish to the Secretary of State he's promoted from postman to detective to Secretary of State <laughs> to government post <laughs> government man G-man rise and shine Mr. Freeman <laughs> well, yeah. why does your G-man sound like a South Park character because it's all I can do <laughs> 
probably still got a cold, I don't know. But, yeah, so she, uh, the police tell her, like, the, the police aren't convinced. Yes. Um, they think they've got the guy. Yeah. He's in Demoy. And she's just being paranoid. Yeah, so she's back. And, uh, this, is a, this is one thing I didn't understand. I pointed this out earlier on. They leave, so this is all at night, right? This whole yeah. section of the film. And uh, they leave the they leave the, the the stalker apartment, and the next shot is her getting out of a police car. So the police must have escorted her to her apartment building, which, which is just across the road. Yeah, she literally just crossed over. But it's also now bright daytime. It's like mid fucking day. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking high noon. <laughs> so what the fuck were they doing? <laughs> were they just uh, did they take her to the station? Were they just chilling in the stalker apartment for like six hours? How much walk? We didn't know. Who knows, yeah. So she returns home, and uh, this is where... I like Lauren Hutton. I liked her in this movie. But it's clear that she's probably not the best actress ever. Because, you know, it, it almost screams like at this point where John Carpenter's like, act done. <laughs> act catatonic at this point. You know? You're just yeah. done with it. And she does that, but it's almost like... If you just ask somebody, it's definitely describe bad acting to somebody. How to describe bad acting? But she's just walking about like a fucking. She's walking about like a zombie. Yeah. And it works for a little bit of time. Yeah. But she kind of carries it on a wee bit longer than I feel is necessary for the scene. Yeah. And, and as a result of this, it kind of immediately draws you out of it. I and you're no it... longer thinking about the character. You're thinking about. What the fuck is she doing? There's a couple of choices she makes in the movie where I'm like, oh, okay. Some of the hand actions she does when she's screaming are hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, she looks like a fucking Muppet at one point. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say that this whole this little section here was actually kind of cool. So she comes home and uh, she hears the shower running. So she opens up the door and all the steam comes out of the room. And at this point when I was yeah. watching it, I was actually convinced that she was going to get like a fucking... Out the steam, but no, it doesn't yeah. happen. Instead, what you see is in the mirror, he's uh, written. Um, oh, what was he writing? Uh, no one, no one believes you. Yeah, no one believes you. And uh, obviously, because it's all the steam, it all dissipates eventually. And then she gets another phone call. Yeah, and this is where you know she probably carried on the acting catatonic thing for a bit long because after the phone call, she just kind of collapses. Yeah, <laughs> and she brings and the table with her, <laughs> and along with the table comes the bug. So yeah, the microphone so it, yeah. that was used that we were shown earlier in the film is now known to our main character. Yeah. Which I don't really know why they bothered with that really because she knows she's being stopped. Yeah, but she doesn't know she's being listened to, listened to as well. well yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And uh, Paul's so, back. Yeah, Paul's back. Paul's back. And uh, this is where this is where like the last 20 minutes of this movie is essentially them trying to figure out who the stalker is. And the way yeah. they go about it is the most... Um, it's the most ass-backwards thing. <laughs> yeah, like, who could have, who could go into all these apartments? You know what it reminds me of? What? Fucking Black Dynamite. It reminds me of that scene in Black Dynamite. Oh, where the chicken and waffles place? Yeah. No, 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 no. That's, it's not a chicken and waffles place, but they've got the... <laughs> that joke is in there. Oh, yeah. Like, who the fuck would make chicken and waffles and some guy gets up in the back and just goes, Yes! And fucking bolts out the place. Yeah. Oh, we need to watch. I need to watch Black Dynamite again, man. I fucking love that film. A bit. Anaconda malt liquor. <laughs> it gives you. Anaconda malt liquor gives you. Oh god! <laughs> what else gives you? 
<laughs> it's a great movie, but um, yeah, love it. But yeah, it's essentially that. I do that too before I walked in the room. <laughs> but no, it is essentially that she's she's talking to Paul. Yeah, and Paul, they make these random jumps in logic that eventually get who could who could wander who could go into apartment buildings without being noticed. God, well, they don't actually say that, but, they, but, it's, it's, but yeah. it's almost like, I got it's, it! It's all, yeah, the only thing this scene is missing is that, by Jove, I think he's got it. Yeah, so, <laughs> they're, so they're just in some office building somewhere. Yeah, with no credentials whatsoever. Yeah, they, they, they say that... They pull all the files. No, but, no they say that they're uh, doing a story. They're working for a newspaper. Yeah, but they don't show any I know, fucking badges. I know. They, they don't press badges. There's nothing like that. They just fucking they, say it, and the guy's like, ah, it seems legit to me. Yeah, like, and, and, and there you go. And the city employees is basically being like, oh yeah, we got this guy who works for us is really good. He inspects all these apartments. His name is uh, Herbert Stiles. Oh, cool, cool, cool. He's on vacation right now. And then he's like, then they ask to see the records room, but he's just fucking just like, all right. Yeah, sure, no problem. Like, so what the fuck? So yeah, they're looking for all these records. They come, well, I say they're looking for all these records. I, I actually wanted a sort of like, scene you know where they're just kind of researching all this stuff I wanted to see like the fucking what are they called those machines that look like computers but they're not they're yeah like, I don't I know what you're talking about the thing they used to like read old newspapers and stuff yeah I wanted one of those but no it's literally just uh, Lee like picks out a file and was like I got it here it is yeah and they, <clears throat> they find out that um, Herbert Styles uh, has vacations and um, coincide with a, with a lot of these suicides yeah and, and all these sort of crank phone calls that, that, that they report so they have his address. <laughs> and if we needed any more confirmation of this guy's the the stalker, Lee goes to his house, um, breaks into his house. Yeah. She kicks his fucking window in. Yeah. And then and then walks around his house holding a fucking slab. Like <laughs> just a slab of pavement. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a fucking cave of skull in. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's where she finds the Excursions Unlimited like uh, printing press thing. Um, yeah, as well as the the, the brochure yeah. for surveillance equipment. Yeah, was, was that was that a thing yeah. in the seventies? I don't think it was. I think it was like this. You want to spy your neighbours? Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Like Avon, but for security purposes. Like <laughs> you da, you da. Stop it. <laughs> Shells Avon. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Your ma, your ma, your ma punts Kinsel. Your da, your da, your da sells it. Right, I punted. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, um, <laughs> the taxi driver as well. Uh, she gets a taxi ride to the house. Taxi driver doesn't give a fuck. I yeah, love but this, this is another point. This is another part where we're talking about like, uh, uh, characters moving around in the background and you're not sure who they are. All you see, right, so Lee is standing in the living room. She's on the phone. She's smoking a cigarette. She's talking to Paul. Oh yeah, and you see anyway, this. Lee's a fucking chain smoker. And I don't think there's. I think there's maybe one scene, maybe two, where she doesn't have a cigarette in her hand. Yeah, and Sophie points out as well when they're eating at the Italian restaurant. She's yeah, like, oh, you smoke up a dinner. But um, but yeah, so all you see is the shape moving in the moving in the in the back of the room yeah. through the window, moving through the bushes, and then as she goes to leave, she runs into this guy. <laughs> And it's the taxi. And we all collectively shit our pants thinking she's going to die and it's just the cab driver who's like, oh, forgot your keys, eh? Ah, because you never see him because as far as I can remember, you, you don't, don't actually get a good look at the cab driver before this point. Ah, uh, like, oh, as far as you see, as far as you're concerned, she just gets out of the car and the guy fucks off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you don't see this guy and yeah, he does go... Oh, no, no, she does say that the guy's waiting for him. Oh, right, right. Right. She does say that in the scene. But like, yeah, he does go like uh, he does say, well, "You you forget your keys," and to me that meant like this is his house. But no, it's just the tax driver. He says he's got on a call and needs to 
leave. Um, I don't think it was quite funny. This part did make me think of Batman, where he's yeah. like, "Is there anywhere you want to go?" And she's like, "To Arkham Towers." So I'm just sitting there thinking, like, "Yeah, to Arkham." This is where the climax of the film happens. Yeah, the guy's in a fucking flat. Yeah, blown away because we we are shown the entirety <laughs> of the flat. Yeah. Not once do we see this motherfucker. She walks around the flat. You don't see anything. She stands by the window and has a wee look around for him. We uh, don't see anything. She flicks on... Uh, she he, takes two steps forward and he fucking jumps us. Like, yeah, but well, before this, but he has cut the power. Yeah. So, for all we know, he's hiding in a shadow somewhere. But you know, <laughs> She tries to flip switch and it fucking blows up. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make, make me chuckle. But then she... Just reaction to it. Just like, holy fuck. And she's like screaming at him, like he, he hasn't appeared yet, but she's screaming at him, being like, oh, "Are you afraid of me?" You know. So I'm not afraid of you and all this person. Well, she's not saying that. She's saying that he's afraid of her. Yeah. Because he won't appear. Oh yeah. And then she smashes the window, screams murder. But you're um, not supposed to do. No, you're supposed to shout fire. Yeah, just won't respond to that. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, he just appears <laughs> behind yeah. her and jumps her. And we don't see his face. Did you notice that during the whole time? We, we don't, don't see his face until... We don't see his face. And he's silent. He doesn't say anything. No. Which I guess is Michael Myers. You know, yeah. yeah. He I mean, he does speak when he's in the phone calls, obviously. But And, uh, I mean, this isn't really anything, but he, he's not dressed in a blue jumpsuit, but he is dressed all in blue. Yeah, true. Uh, Michael Myers. Uh, he's, he's trying to push her out the window. Uh, she grabs a shard of glass, and because it's a TV movie, no blood. Yeah, yeah, so she can't stab him in the neck. She stabs him right in the fucking oh, spine. But even then, when she's grabbing the, the, the shard of glass... Yeah, no blood. No blood. All, nothing, no yeah. blood. And she just sends it right into his spine. Yeah, and that's where we first get a good look at his face. And it's, and it's just a random guy. It's just a guy. It's a cat. We have not met this character before to this point. No. Nope. It's just, yeah, just some guy. You see, this is why I... This is a, I actually believe that um, somehow... Uh, it was going to be revealed to be Paul <laughs> until we see the, the actual killer. I thought it was going to somehow be Paul. They were going to explain it some way. Yeah. But um, we should also mention, though. They we don't get any explanation of it. We just... He, he dies and the film ends. Yeah, he gets dropped out the window. He falls out the window. But we should also expl- We should also mention, though. So Sophie says she's going to go to Fort Worth, right? Yes. And she has a plane ticket. And the police do say that the plane ticket was used. Who the fuck got on the plane? Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> Did he just send a little minion there? <laughs> Did he go there, use the t- the ticket at the airport, and then fuck off back home? Like just go into the departures lounge and then fuck off pronto? Maybe, but wouldn't the ticket have the person's name on it? Yeah, the person who bought the ticket and used it. Yeah, but it was Sophie that bought it, so surely somebody would think something's weird if a guy turns up with a ticket for somebody called Sophie. Don't judge. And his name is... Don't Herb- judge. Herb- Don't Herb- judge. Styles. Don't judge. How dare you? This is the 70s, though. Okay, judge then. <laughs> well, they certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, not in this movie, they didn't, because Sophie gets a fucking decent meeting. I don't know, but those airport staff coming out, flying, down, flying to Texas, they would have judged. <laughs> nah, man, pre-9-11, they didn't give a fuck. No. It's true. But no, uh, yeah, they never really explained that, but yeah... The guy just kind of falls out the window, and uh, this movie knows when to get out. Freeze frame. Yep. Although uh, the credit, uh, although the credit there, is great, there is a great closing line where she just says to herself, "He got too close," which I thought was really nice and kind of action starry. But yeah. 
<laughs> just puts on sunglasses. Somehow, my throat's still gubbed. Can you do it? Yeah! She puts on the sunglasses go. and somehow the apartment explodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she's fine. <laughs> she's, she's walking away from it even though she's on like the 60th floor or whatever the fuck. She's walking on air, yeah. Uh, Jesus. But no, um, yeah. No, that was water. Jesus can walk over fucking anything. Anything's possible with Jesus. Jesus can jaywalk if he wants to. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, the movie ends you, you, Paul, you never see Paul again which is another reason why I thought that he might have been the killer because you don't see him yeah you don't ages. see him up to this point yeah he disappears for ages. a little bit he never reappears after they find out that uh, Herbert works for the city and has like after they find out where he lives Paul um, yeah he just again. he just dips out of the movie <laughs> Paul's had enough I gotta go to bed <laughs> but, uh, but yeah Someone's watching me. I would. I, I thought this was a very good movie. Would you recommend it? Um, not to like, not as like a sort of like. If somebody hasn't seen a John Carpenter movie, I wouldn't recommend it as like their first. But as yeah. like a sort of like you've seen all the classics, try this one. You know. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like, I wouldn't recommend this to like someone that's like new to horror or new to the genre in any way. Mm. But uh, I would certainly say if you are interested in this kind of film, in these kind of films, if you like John Carpenter as a director, give it a shot. It's a very interesting watch, especially some of the proto Halloween stuff uh, yeah. that w- that comes up throughout it. Uh, some of the dialogue is fantastic. The mm-hmm. some of the shots as well incredible, especially earlier on in the film. Great suspense. Yeah, very well done. Very Hitchcockian, or I don't know, Hitchcock inspired. Yeah, Hitchcock, Hitchcock, yeah, yeah. Is that a word? I don't fucking uh-huh, know. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, even if you just read it, like, about um, what John Carpenter says about this movie, it's clear that he really likes this movie as well. Like, um, he's called this, like, one of the <laughs> one of the movies he's most proud of. Which is fair. I can yeah. see it. it done. I can see why, because while it might not necessarily be, like, a fantastic movie mm-hmm. or the most entertaining movie, bringing into account, account the fact that it was shot in 18 days, mm-hmm. it was shot in a shoestring budget, mm-hmm. He was brought in to direct it basically the last possible minute. He was given pretty much free reign over it as well. And yeah, and so he had complete creative control over how he would overcome these restrictions. Mm. Yeah, man, if I made this, I'd be damn proud of it too, because yeah. he'd done really well with what he had. Yeah, and uh, if I could find a copy of this for a decent price, I would probably buy this. I would probably do the same, yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I would ever watch it again. I mean, you bought Dark Star. <laughs> oh, no, I've watched Dark Star again since then. Have you? Yeah. Is it, does, it, does it hold up? Uh, it's still bad shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> still... Was, it, was it a Blu-ray copy you got of it? Was it? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, right. Not to be fucking snobby or something, but that's my, well, most, pretty much all my collection is Blu-ray, so I like to keep it uniform. Mm. But I try to get it all in the same format because it just makes things easier. Uh, makes it easier especially if you're watching like films back to back so you're not having like jumps in like uh, audio quality especially uh, always fucks with me if like the audio quality of one film's amazing and then you put on like a DVD and it's that fucking crackly way mm-hmm. I but, mean yeah. I'm not really a Blu-ray snob I just, uh, I, just I, like I, I get I get I get movies Okay, you can't see what your facial expression is doing because it's a fucking podcast, you tit. I know. They can't see you being all shifty-eyed, alright? <laughs> and I don't know if they can hear it unless your microphone's a hell of a lot better than I thought it was. You think we can afford all these movies? Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. 
and we will not state anything to the contrary on a fucking recording. <laughs> I have copies of these movies. Motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Someone's Watching Me. Good movie. I, I, I enjoyed it. Movie. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I know we said that we'd be doing um, every John Carpenter movie. Um, however, next... The next one would be Elvis. However... I am, be wa- I am going to be watching Elvis. However, I believe you are... I'm going to abstain. You're going to abstain. Because I just film. do not care about Elvis. I tried to watch the new Elvis movie with Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. I couldn't get into it. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of his music really much either, so... That's fair. Uh, I do. I do enjoy a bit of Elvis myself, uh, despite the the obvious shortcomings of him as an artist. Mm. Uh, but yeah, as a result, what we'll do is we're basically going to treat Elvis the same way that you treated some of your little side quests uh, for that. So the next movie is going to be the Fog, the motherfucking Fog. So in the beginning of the Fog episode, we're probably going to take about. I don't know, like 10, 20 minutes, I'll give you a brief rundown of the Elvis movie. Is it good? Is it worth a watch if you're a fan? It's two hours, 40 minutes long. That's the thing that kind of got you for it, was the fact that it is nearly three hours long. And so this does lead to an interesting question where um, I was talking to you about this earlier. If we were to do a series on, say, Wes Craven or, say, David Cronenberg, they both have movies that aren't horror movies. would we cover those? And I think it just depends I'll on... i say we do what we do today. We take it on a case-by-case yeah. case basis. If we are both interested in watching the film, then we will watch it. If, yeah. however, one of us genuinely cannot, has, like, absolutely no desire whatsoever to watch the film, even for, like, regardless of quality of the film, if there is just no sort of passion there to watch mm-hmm. it, then we're not going to give you a good episode on it. We're not going to have a good discussion yeah, about I, it. I worded that poorly as well. I don't mean to say like, I didn't want to watch it because it wasn't a horror movie because I don't want this podcast just to be strictly horror movies. Precisely. Uh, we're just, it just so happens that we're just doing John Carpenter for our first series. So. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, who knows? I might change my mind. So the next episode is either going to be Elvis or it's going to be The Fog. It just, it just depends. But yeah. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and... Uh, I hope you do watch this movie because this movie was pretty good. Yeah, it needs more eyes. If you can find, uh, if you can find a cop, I definitely recommend picking it up. It is a great watch, mm-hmm. especially if you are a fan of John Carpenter's work. Maybe not ideal for a jumping on point. Uh, I would maybe stick to some of his more classic works like yeah. Halloween. Even if you're in trouble. Yeah, even if you're not a, a John Carpenter fan, and you like Hitchcock type stuff. You'll probably. Oh yeah, you'll Hitchcock fans will get a, get a lot out of this. They'll dig this definitely. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening to uh, uh, the latest episode of Archive Panic. I've been Jacob Russo. And I've been Ben Nevin. And we'll see you next time. Bye now.